are you, old man? Where are you? Come out, you bastard! Come out! Come out! Come out! Come out! Bastard! Bastard! about the Twinkie. What about the Twinkie? They have 500 years of democracy and peace. And what did that produce? The cuckoo clock. Two dollars multipass. Multipass. You know this multipass. Your stupid minds. Stupid. Stupid. I don't know whether I even want to go out with Jeff again. The High Court may well sentence you to torture. Can you play the piano? I can. And sing at the same time. Hello there, welcome to Celluloid Days, a podcast of film and film history. This is episode 74, and I'm your host, Jeffrey Kelly, an old man from the Midwest. The idea of this podcast is to force me to watch films I wouldn't normally watch. And for that, I depend on the listener. So next time you see a film that causes you to scratch your head and say, What the heck did I just watch? Keep me in mind. I'll have information on how you can reach me at the end of today's show. Before I get started, I thought I'd give some free advice to young filmmakers out there who are creating their art on a limited budget. Have you ever seen films like Fire Maidens from Outer Space, Girl in Gold Boots, Cat Women on the Moon, or Wild Woman of Wango? What do all these movies have in common? They have ladies dancing very badly. So here's my tip. If you're going to write Amazon women dancing a ritual in your movie, make sure you can afford a dance choreographer. That's all I'm saying. Otherwise, the scene will just come off childish and silly, as they did in the movies I just mentioned. Anyway, today's film is a crazy one. There have been many films called The Visitor over the years, but the one I'm dealing with today is from 1975, a science fiction horror film. The film is an hour and 48 minutes, and believe me, you'll feel every second of that time. It goes on and on. But I, me, Jeff, is going to try to be positive. It's an Italian film that was mostly shot in Atlanta, Georgia. Weird. Not all of it, I guess, because Lance Hendrickson said he took part in the film just to get a free trip to Italy. Now look, if I told you you were going to watch a film that stars John Huston, Mel Farrar, Glenn Ford, Lance Hendrickson, and Shelley Winters, would you be interested? I would. After all, most of them made great films back in the day. But The Visitor was from 1979... And many of those stars, well, were irrelevant by then. The lone exception, of course, was Lance Hendrickson, who we can't forgive because he was still an up-and-coming young actor. Both Ford and Winters, who were marvelous actors back in the day, had seen their best days come and go. Then we have John Huston, one of the greatest directors of all time. Have you been to the United States before? It's my first time. 
What is the purpose of your trip? I mean, he directed some of my favorite films, including The Maltese Falcon, The Treasure of the Sahara Madre, Key Largo, and African Queen. And he was still directing at this point, so his career wasn't quite over yet. Why did he agree to appear in this film? I'm not sure. I would guess for a paycheck? Six years after this, he would direct Pritzi's Honor and be nominated for all types of awards, so he wasn't done as a director. Now, the way I understand it, this was back in a time where a lot of Hollywood actors who were once great stars were taking jobs in Italy for the paycheck. And if I had to guess, I would think that many of them just assumed these films would never be seen in America. Little did they know that home video and cable would become a thing. I don't know how much they actually needed the money or if they just wanted to continue to act and weren't getting very many great offers. I read that Joseph Cotton was once asked why, not needing the money, he continued to act in a lot of B-films in his later days. He made films like Lady Frankenstein, Baron Blood, and Syndicate Sadists in the 70s. He said, well, it made him nervous not to be working. Maybe that's why so many once popular actors took so many questionable roles later in life. They just wanted to keep acting. And I assume some of them, well, needed the cash. Remember Jimmy Stewart in Airport 77, Olivia de Havilland in The Swarm? In fact, I just watched Ida Lupino, who was once a great British actress, director, writer, and producer, appearing in Bert I. Gordon's The Food of the Gods from 77. Hey, if she wanted to act and they offered her some money, why not? So I can understand why some of these actors might have appeared in this film. Now, as far as I can tell, the film was never available in the U.S. until 2010. That was when Draft House Films picked it up, and it gained a cult following. You want my advice, old man? Yeah. Go back to wherever you came from. This world is not for you. It's not for you either, Katie. I think that all the main actors, with the exception of Lance Henriksen, were dead by then, so I don't think they minded. So what is The Visitor? It's a science fiction horror film, I guess. And you know, I'm really at a loss for words on this one, so I'm going to read from Turner Classic Movies. They wrote, An intergalactic warrior joins a cosmic Christ figure in a battle against a demonic eight-year-old girl and her pet hawk, while the fate of the universe hangs in the balance. And I guess that sums it up. Matthew Jones on the Philosophy in Film blog wrote this, which also sums it up pretty well. I like to think that I have an open mind, but even I have my limits. I knew beforehand that the visitor was going to be a bit heady with plenty of over-the-top 70s insanity, but its lack of cohesion starts to have a negative effect on its pacing and overall entertainment value. Nonetheless, The Visitor is one of those films that should be much more famous than it is, which is why it's a truly hidden gem, particularly if you love psychedelic 70s mayhem. I guess that's true. I don't know. The way I see it, it's sort of a mixture of The Omen with bits of The Exorcist, with a touch of The Bad Seed, oh, and maybe a little Lady from Shanghai thrown in. Now, I have to admit, I would have probably never watched this film until I saw it on Rift Tracks, and I'll talk about that a bit later. 
The film begins with John Huston playing Jersey Kalsowitz, who is known as The Visitor. He sits alone in a desert in what I assume is an alien world. He watches as, from a distance, a small child in a dark robe walks towards him, and then a dust storm comes raging in. The dust removes her robe, and Houston walks away. Cut to a Jesus-like figure played by Franco Nero, who you might know from the 1960 spaghetti western film Django. He's talking to a bunch of bald children. He tells them about an evil alien named Zatine, who escaped from prison and came to Earth to hide. Once far away, light years, distances beyond thought, a great slender ship with a tail of fire slid through the black reaches of space. On that ship was Zatine, a prisoner named Zatine. Words cannot describe his evil. The evil one is a mutant with an urge to kill, and now he uses his psychic powers to do so. But he's attacked by birds that were sent to kill him. Though before he died, he had many children. And just as Nero finishes his story, John Houston walks in, sits down with the children, and tells Nero the name of one of these evil children, the eight-year-old Katie Collins. Her name is Katie Collins, and she'll be eight years old. And that begins our film. We cut to a professional basketball game at the Omni in Atlanta, Georgia. The owner of this Atlanta basketball team is Raymond Armstead, who's played by Lance Hendrickson. Well, we're going to uh, change it from a Losersville to Atlanta again. How are you going to do that? With an open checkbook. How open is that going to be, Ray? Quite open. Quite open. Where does this money come from? You do not have a sports ownership background. Ray, answer me. Well, there's no answer I can give you on that one. Right away, you know, like, he's evil. Now, Raymond is with Katie Collins, played by the young Paige Connor, and her mother, Barbara, who's played by Joanne Nail. I'm Barbara, Barbara Collins. How do you do? Barbara, you see, is a rich widow whom Raymond wants to marry. Unknown to her, however, Raymond is part of a secret group of Satanists who wish to bring about the resurgence of Zatine. Apparently, this can't be done with her daughter, Paige Connor. I assume because she's a girl and they need a, a male child, uh, apparently. The daughter, Katie, is really mean to her mother. After all, she's the daughter of Zatine. At one point, Katie shoots her mother in the back with a gun, a gun she received as a birthday present. This paralyzed Barbara from the waist down, but Katie still goes on to do other mean things. Somehow, this is all in her attempt to get her mother to have a child with Raymond, because she knows they need a male child. Are you following me so far? Hello, Raymond. Hi, Katie. Yeah, wouldn't it be great if we were all here together? You and Mama could make love, and I would have a baby brother. Oh, Katie, it's getting so out of hand. That's not true, Mother. Raymond, you can talk her into it, can't you? Mel Ferrar is Dr. Walker, who is the head of the evil cult. Barbara is a miracle of nature. She carries in her womb 
something which transcends the world of everyday reality. She is able to give birth to children of immense powers, both natural and supernatural. He reminds Raymond that Barbara can be used as a conduit to distill Zatine's power into corporeal human form. And then there's Glenn Ford, who is Detective Jake Durham, who is investigating the child's shooting of her mother. How was the shooting done? I, I really don't know. I'd answer the question. It happened so fast. I... Tell me what happened. I mean, exactly. I mean, it was this present that was opened. And then we have Shelley Winters, who is Jane Phillips. She's hired to take care of Barbara after the shooting. The door was open, so I came in. No one answered. I'm, I, I'm the new housekeeper uh, from the agency, uh, Jane, Jane Phillips. <laughs> but she can see the child for what the child is, because apparently she had one just like Katie years earlier. Also in this film, making a cameo is Sam Peckinpah as Dr. Sam Collins, the doctor who treats Barbara after she's shot in the back. Unfortunately, in the film, Peckinpah had problems with the dialogue, so his voice is overdubbed. That's the basic setup. A lot of it is just Katie going around doing mean things to other people, like when she's at a skating rink and, and seriously hurts or kills a couple other skaters. A scene that I fail to find a decent reason why it's there. And if I get anything wrong, so be it. It's a tripped-out film that's makes no sense for the most part. Now, I'm really not going to run through all the actors. I assume you know who most of these people are, except the child, Paige Connor. She was from Atlanta, where the movie was filmed, and has a very southern accent. You deserved it. You always leave me alone, and I've always got to play alone. Here's my babysitter. But one of these evenings... I'm really going to kill her. She's always asleep. The Visitor seems to be the high point of her acting career. Her one acting part before this was four years earlier when she played an orphan in something called The Night They Robbed Big Bertha's. And after The Visitor, she went on to be in the Tatum O'Neill Christie McNichol 1980 comedy Little Darlings in which she played Girl in T-Shirt. Besides that, there's just a few appearances on TV. So apparently the director had a bit of a problem with her southern accent. But what did he expect getting a child who grew up in Georgia? But she said in an interview that it was John Huston who really worked with her and taught her how to talk slower. She had nothing but good things to say about the legendary actor-director. She also said that Glenn Ford was wonderful. Now in the film, her character says some awful things to Ford's character, and she said that was hard for her to do because she was brought up not to swear or be mean to adults. And her mother had to convince her by telling her it was okay because she was acting. What's that? What you say? No, wait, wait a minute here. Now, that's, that's no way for us to get started, is it? Hey, look at me. Now, listen, I could, uh, I could wait in the car, you know, until you finish class. Is that what you want? I don't like you. You're a child molester. I bet you do dirty things to children. You know, I'm worried about you. Jesus, everybody's worried about me. Susan, my mama, grandmama, they have to go worry about themselves. Worry hogs, worry warts. Don't worry about some perverts like you. 
Oddly, though, she meant every mean thing she said to Shelley Winters. Apparently, Winters was slapping her in the face for real. You will say, where is my mother? Are you crazy? Where is she? <clears throat> for once, once in your life, you will be polite. Now say it. Say it. When Paige asked her about why she's doing this, Winters, according to Paige, said, Sorry, but I like hitting kids. Hmm, <laughs> strange, I know. Paige says to this day she doesn't know if it was Winters' way of getting her into her character, but she meant every mean word she said to her. Now, according to IMDb, she became an Atlanta Falcons cheerleader and now is a makeup artist who owns Luxury Lush Lounge, an eyelash extension business in Atlanta. Now, the director of the film is Michael J. Paradise, but that's not his real name. His real name is Giulio Paradisi, who is an Italian film director, actor, and screenwriter. When he was an actor, he worked for directors such as Fellini before becoming a director. Now, perhaps the most amazing part of this film, it was made for about $800,000. I would think, and I could be wrong, that the actors alone would take most of that budget up. The film looks wonderful. It's shot well. I mean, it's crazy from start to finish, but doesn't look cheap. Oh, no, except, except for some of the visual effects. Those are pretty bad. Beyond that, the color and cinematography is beautiful. Lance Hendrickson said every day when he went to work, he thought, Wow, where's the narrative in this thing? I really don't know. He had been captured by Commander Yave after decades of search and evasion in a blood-drenched battle that claimed hundreds of lives. But shortly thereafter, Zatine escaped in a tiny scout craft, a fantastic escape from that spaceship. And soon he found a hiding place on the planet Earth. Zatine was a mutant, his genes transformed. A mutant with a primal wish to kill, but evolved to new psychic and occult powers. He used these powers to spread destruction and death. You know, if I had to pick a favorite scene for this one, uh, that might be hard. No scene really stuck out like, wow, that makes the movie. I mean, there's a scene in which I talked about earlier, in which Katie gets the gun for a birthday present and shoots her mother in the back. Where's she going? Well, technically, it was an accidental shooting, I think. But even a weirder scene is later on when her mother is in a wheelchair. Katie, who is a pet falcon, attacks her mother. Shelly Duval's involved, but then Katie grabs the wheelchair, spins her mother around, and throws her right through a large tank of water. Miss Collins, I've been sent here to protect you. No one, no one can hurt you anymore. Ah! 
might have been a fish tank. I can't remember if there were fish in there or not. It's a crazy scene. And somehow, her mother is still alive after that happens. And that all leads into the final epic scene, which involves a lot of birds, but I won't spoil that for you. I will just say that I wonder if Stephen King had watched this before he wrote The Dark Half. I don't think so. Now, there's so many scenes that I can't really describe, like when Paige drops a fire escape onto a newsstand for some reason, or the strange lighting effects where where John Huston is just staring out to this, I don't know, landing strip. It's almost like the director said, I'm going to make something as crazy as 2001 A Space Odyssey, but not as good. Personally, I don't do drugs, but maybe if you do, this might be a good one to watch. Now, I have to be honest with you. I'm trying to be positive, but I really didn't care for this film. It's definitely an original, but it's still a hard watch, even without the Rift Tracks commentary. But you know, I bet you there are fans of this film, and I bet you we can find them on the IMDb. Now, The Visitor gets a 43% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes, which is low, but higher than I would have thought. AskDeckReel31 gave it the full 10 stars and had this to say. Amazing. Has to be seen to believe it was put on film. If you're looking for a weird mixture of horror, Jesus imagery, a demonic girl with her evil pet hawk, an angelic bird with a switchblade beak, and a huge share of unintentional laughs, the visitor is for you. Italian horror doesn't get any better than this. Please, please, please see this movie before you die. Overacting actors, wheelchair fun, circles for days. Oh, and Jesus is also wearing a turtleneck. And he visits aliens. You will never see another movie like this. Also, how or why would they make this movie? All good fun, but let's just say if this was a painting, it wouldn't be the Mona Lisa. More like a painting from a two-year-old, but all in one of the best movies I've seen. Well, it seems he loves this movie for the whole it's so bad, it's good thing, and that's not what I wanted. I wanted to find somebody who really liked this movie. How about Crazy Betsy 14, who gave it 10 stars? And he or she wrote, I absolutely adore this film. First time I watched it, I fell in love. There are very few films like it. It's a weird mixture of sci-fi and horror with a mix of The Omen, Rosemary's Baby, and Carrie. The visuals are pretty impressive and the soundtrack is fantastic. A truly underappreciated little gem. Well, that's a little better. Nissy9214 gave it only 7 stars and had this to say. Get ready to take a walk on the wild side. I believe in giving movies a chance and I'm glad I did with this movie. After the birthday scene, I was hooked. Yeah, it's bizarre, low budget, okay sound effects, and suspenseful, fun, wild, and interesting. Who could ask for more? Also, it has a great cast and a decent plot, or whatever you want to call it. The tone of the movie was nice and loved the 70s style in movies when it's done right. I learned only after watching this movie to try to not figure it out, or believe me, it'll drive you loony. Just enjoy the ride, though you don't know where it'll take you. I know this movie might not be for everyone, but just give it a chance. Could become a real treat like it did for me while you're up late night and can't go to sleep. Aaron13757 only thought it was worth five stars. Aaron wrote, 
the visitor should stay longer and explain a bit more. I've always heard that this film was a bit hard to understand and incoherent, and I must say I agree a bit. A movie where they could have just cleared things up would have been a much better film. Seriously though, there are many perplexing things going on as they seem to be doing almost an omen type film with a dash of other horror films and science fiction movies to give it a unique flavor and they succeed as it's rather unique. Still, a movie needs to tell a story and in that regard a lot of things happen upon the screen that are none of the viewer's business. Carflow 13 only gave it three stars and called the film weird and confusing. And then he wrote, I am relieved to know that other people found The Visitor as confusing as we did. Over the years, whenever my husband and I had some reason to mention this movie, we always call it that weird movie with Jesus in a turtleneck. We spent hours afterwards trying to understand the plot. We never got so far as even trying to understand the meaning. We went to see it because it had such a good cast. The preview suggested it had a supernatural theme, which appealed to us. It was a mistake. We should have stayed home and rotated the mattresses. I can watch really bad movies without a shudder. I even rather like very bad movies. But The Visitor is in a class all by itself. It absolutely made no sense. None. I read that part of the problem was the bad editing. I would hope so. I hate to think that so many fine actors would waste their time on this mess as it is. And finally, there's a one-star review. Marshall Stack 17 wrote, Avoid this incoherent time waster at all costs. Probably the worst film I've ever seen. The Visitor has many disconnected plot elements that never seem to go anywhere or make any sense. Guys wander into the desert, giant green clouds billow up from nowhere, spirals of birds whirl indoors. As a series of unconnected images, I suppose the movie may have some value, but as a story it is completely worthless. I saw this theatrically on its initial release and hated it. I tried to watch it again a decade later. I thought, it couldn't really be as bad as I remember, but it was, and I fell asleep as it dragged on. Totally awful. I have to admit, Marshall, that I'm impressed you gave the movie a second chance. The music in this film was by Franco Michelisi. Franco was an Italian composer and conductor. He was born in 1938, and as far as I can tell, is still alive today. He has a pretty impressive filmography, though I, though I have to say I don't recognize too many of the films he worked on. Though I did see a lot of Umberto Lenzi films. The soundtrack, in my opinion, is a bit overdone. The best part of the soundtrack is the music that plays whenever John Huston is on the screen. It sounds like some music that should accompany some exciting action, but many times, no. The music plays as John Huston walks down a very large escalator that isn't moving. Anyway, like I said, in my opinion, just a little over the top. 
Now, like I said, I first saw this movie on Rip Tracks. The version they showed was an hour and 26 minutes long, and I thought that was long. Even with their commentary, it took a lot to get through. And then I watched the uncut version, which is about 20 minutes longer. Hey, if you're going to see this movie, I recommend the Rift Tracks version. But if you want to see it in all its glory, it is on YouTube and you can catch it there. Go and have some more fun, dear. When the charm has disappeared, get a divorce and come on home. I think you're wrong. I think we're going to make it. All right. Think so, Bill? So does he. Do you love your wife? You said? Blackie beat me to it. Said I was nuts about you. Had you told her? No. But Blackie figured this way. She said, seems I could have any girl in town, I must be nuts about you. Oh, listen! Oh! What were you doing out with Joe last night? Don't you wish you knew? Uh... Eating my heart out for you. With no idea of where to start looking for you tomorrow. And then I come home and find you right in my own bed. Oh, boy. A little bit before I go. You know, I always say that weird is better than boring, and in most cases it's true. But in this case, uh, it may be an exception to the rule, you know. I mean, I think the weird just goes on for much too long. I understand the basic plot. An evil alien had a bunch of kids... John Huston finds those kids, shaves their heads, and brings them to Franco Nero. Simple. But there are so many scenes that are unnecessary and a bit too long and whatever. You know what I would like to know? I would like to know the circumstances that led to the mother, Barbara, having a child of the evil alien. That would be interesting. I think I agree with that reviewer who said this film could use a little more explanation. Maybe cut a few of the weird scenes and add a little backstory. I don't know. It just, it could be just me, you know. Anyway, if you've got any thoughts on The Visitor or anything else connected with today's show, you can email me at daysofcelluloid at gmail.com. Days of celluloid, all being one word. Hey, now that I think about it, it doesn't have to be about this film. It can be about anything. You can even email me if you want to say hi. Let me know you're out there. You can also use our Facebook page. It's called Celluloid Days. And I have a Twitter page. It's at Celluloid underscore Days. So next week, I'm going to do a film that I've never seen before. I was flipping around through Turner Classic Movies On Demand, and I saw a movie called Lucky Night from 1939. It stars Robert Taylor and Myrna Loy, and I'm always a sucker for a Myrna Loy film, so it looks like a screwball comedy, so we'll see how it goes. Now, before I leave, I have one more request. If you could leave me a review, a good one, at wherever you stream this podcast, I'd be forever grateful. Take care, thanks for listening, and I'll be back next week. So long. They're under the goddamn ground. Tell them about the Twinkie. What about the Twinkie? They have 500 years of democracy and peace. And what did that produce? The cuckoo clock. Two dollars multipass. You're stupid minds. Stupid. Stupid. I don't know whether I even want to go out with Jeff again. The High Court may well sentence you to torture. Can you play the piano? I can. And sing.